many of you guys have ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you through a child? It is one of the most, um, it's a very gentle experience because it's so easy for us to hear a message from a child and just go, oh, they're a child. And, uh, you know, Jesus really confronts that and wants us to be able to soak in his spirit by the words of a child from the imagination of a child. You know, children are already, they're probably the most, uh, of any group in humanity, children are probably the most prophetic because their imaginations don't have any limitations. So Holy Spirit is is free just to to give them stuff. And uh, this, Reagan is into painting, and this week, uh, every day, not every day, but maybe every day, close to every day, she paints. And so we'll come, I'll come home uh, for lunch. Um, and like to, uh, this last week, um, I come in and there's this piece of paper. Uh, there's two pieces of paper and one of them is just painted red, gobbed. Every, the whole thing is just one big red sheet of red. There's no color. And of course, and I, I said, Reagan, what, what is this? And that's the blood of Jesus. And I love how there was no, there's not, there's two pictures and one was just the blood of Jesus. Now, how many of you guys know that's, that's one of the ways we overcome. It's by the blood of the lamb. Amen. And the, the purpose, the function of God's blood was to give your conscience a covering. It was to be like a sheet over what you remembered. You, didn't, you don't remember your past because it was covered under the blood of Jesus. And so we, um, that was really cool. But then the other one, the other one was uh, just all red and then it was... Um, it was like a stick or something. And I forgot exactly what it was. It wasn't all red, but there was something that was, was with the blood. And I said, well, what's this one? And she said, well, that's the blood of Jesus, but there's healing coming out of his blood. And I'm like, well, we, we haven't gotten into this theological section of this with her. The Holy Spirit is obviously talking to children and give them... It's not just, it's not, for me, there's two things. It feeds me, it encourages me, at personally in my own heart. But then it also tells me um, that he, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. So what I do is not only do I get encouraged, but I turn and I encourage them. I say, look, this is, first of all, thank you, I needed this. But also, God is speaking to you. And we want to encourage them to listen and activate the voice of the Holy Spirit to where you never, this one thing I had to learn was that I never did not know his voice. What, you you know that? Like, once you get to know the Father, you realize you've always been there. He, He was never not there. Like, even in the most, even in the smallest articulation of our memories and life he's always been there what was what was not there was our um 
awareness of him. And as a child, it's up to us to really teach them the awareness of the presence that's always there. And one thing I, when, when people talk about, well, Jesus, you know, he had an advantage because he was the son of God. And, and word came to Mary and Joseph, you are going to have the only begotten. Okay, well, to me, our children have an amazing advantage like Jesus did and then we can train our children that who their father is and the inheritance that has been given to them freely because of who they are born from. They are born of God. They are not the seed of Adam. They are of the seed of Jesus. And when you train them that they don't have limitation, that sin is behind them and underneath them, that they have the authority to rule over that the sin thought process. It means that they have authority over that, and there are no limitations. And I'm so excited that our kids get to live in that reality. Amen? Amen. All right, let's do something today. Let's just open up our Bibles. We're going to, um, any you guys have your Bibles or you have some sort of a, some sort of app. We're going to turn to uh, Colossians 3.15. I think there's like a gate or something on my voice that's chopping me in and out. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. So what I want to do today is I want to um, just bless you guys real quick before we get going. Um, who are my leaders? First of all, okay, leaders, can you stand real quick? Who's my people who are in discipleship, who are disciplers? All right. Okay, cool. First of all, I had a, a word for Althea. Althea, you know your name means, right? Your name means healer. So who here has sickness or pain in your body? She's just going to touch you. Just lift your hand. And she's going to touch you. All right, this is your assignment. Holy Spirit and John and Kathy, I just want you to impart royalty over people. And I just, there's some gifts God wants to give today. There's some, how many of you guys like to come and there's like, you know, God wants to bring you consolation today. <laughs> he wants to console you, the consolation prizes and gifts. And um, um, I want you guys just to begin to touch and impart. There's some awesome gifts that you guys have for the, the people of God. And so just begin, let's just touch a couple people this morning. And Father, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here. You come and you come to give good gifts. You're a good Father. And we love you. We are so excited about the... Um, the amazing presence of God that uh, is moving in your people this morning, and we thank you that you are going to do a new thing in their hearts. Just awaken our hearts this morning. Awaken us. Awaken us. Let us experience your glory in an amazing way. Lord, we thank you that there is no battle that is in front of us that you have not equipped us for, and right now we just we attack, we come against the enemy with the only thing that causes him to run, and that's your presence. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of God. And what you are equipping us with is not Bible verses merely, it's not, it's not empty words, it's not something that we just quote and hope something happens, but it is actually the Spirit of God that is moving in our hearts and is active and it is living. And we thank you for that presence right now in Jesus' name. We just ask that you would begin to heal people, Lord. Come right now, healer, almighty healer. You would begin to move through the hearts, Lord. Even just 
the actual physical heart, someone with a heart condition, God is going to begin to uh, allow the flow, allow the flow, and actually allow the opening of your arteries this morning. God is going to even do some supernatural creative miracles. I thank you right now that you are healing the bloodstream right now. We just pray against any sort of uh, spirit of disease in the blood. We just pray against any uh, leukemia, any sort of uh, cancer, Lord, that would try to attempt to create fear and discount the move of the Holy Spirit in our bodies. Lord, we thank you for restoration. We thank you for life. We thank you that you are restoring our love. You are opening our hearts. Let us begin to breathe your presence and see what it is you have for us. And we love you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. That's fun. I love when the Holy Spirit moves. That's the best. All right. Well, what I want to do is I want to open up. uh, We're going to read some. We're going to kind of continue to go on on uh, discipleship this morning and I know God has called us all not only to be disciples but to make disciples and uh, for the next couple months what we want to do is um, is really focus uh, on this and uh, I want to I want to thank you Lucas thank you he warmed up my coffee would you guys give him a hand this morning that's awesome. Servant, greatest in the kingdom, right there. Amen. Amen. This morning I was in prayer and, and I just had a couple thoughts, but you know, the most lonely people, the most lonely people in the world are people who have settled for allowing their authority or authoritative relationships be reduced to managers and not fathers and mothers or disciplers. It's amazing to me how many people in the world, we've never been so connected and so lonely. And I really don't think that, um, you know, Jesus, or not Jesus, uh, Paul says, he says, yeah, I got a ton of teachers. Teachers are everywhere. It's the connection of fathers and sons that are lacking. And that was a, to me, father, the father-son relationship, it's, it's a relationship of discipleship. That's what it is. it is. It is where you have people in your life that allow, that are not just allowed a place of authority, but it's really a connection of a someone who not only is, are you submitted under and they're feeding into you, but there actually is a connection. You see, one thing I think about in the story of Adam is there was a walked in the garden together reality that Adam lived in. Say, walked in the garden. He walked in the, the Bible says, he walked in the cool of the day. Have you guys ever been out camping or in nature and you're just like you kind of I remember I'm going to just go back here but I remember going camping a couple years ago and you walk and kind of get out of your tent and no one else is awake I'm a morning person so I do that quite a bit and so I come out of my tent and I just come out on the lake 
and I look out on the lake and I see the flock of ducks just kind of pass over the lake and there's a little bit of mist that's hovering over it just like glass and then it just feels it's just you just I'm just standing looking over it and I just kind of feel this gentle presence of just kind of father just come up and stand next beside me and be so what do you think and it's kind of like you he, physically there's there's nothing there but there's a presence that's just as real if not more than if a person was standing right next to you and he says what do you think I'm just like man this is amazing and he's like thank you thank you that's what I do and there was this walked in the cool moment where there aren't storms that are being calmed. There is a calming moment that is equipping me. And it's in that relational moment that the peace of God starts to, be, starts to train my heart. You know, God in his peace, he is the prince of peace. It's the peace of God that trains your heart for every storm that comes against you. Because as I'm looking over the water and as I see the flock of uh, ducks, they weren't doves, they're flock of, that'd be cool, but flock of ducks flying over the water, that I'm seeing this water and I see what the potential, I know what the water can be. I know how crazy water can get. Because I, I, part of my morning job is we'll, we'll do scientific uh, deployments in the Gulf. And we'll go on this, it's a 120-foot vessel. And um, I remember <clears throat> the first time I went on one of these vessels, uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get motion sickness on this boat. And so I told Kim, I was like, you know, I need to get some sort of prescription. I went and saw my doctor, and he said, you know, okay, well, I'm going to give you something for motion sickness. So he gave me these little patches, and you know, stick them behind your ear. And so I, I went and got these patches, and they said, you know, okay, before you get out on the water, do about six hours before you get out there. And I'm like, all right, so I put it out there. And I'm on the boat. We're doing all this work, and, and the swells are about 12 feet. They're not too bad, but it's kind of hard to work in. So you're kind of doing this thing, and there's pitch, and then there's heat, uh, there's uh, there's pitch, there's roll, and then there's heave. And so you kind of got all this stuff going on, and I am sick. I am super sick. I'm just uh, I'm constantly walking around the boat, and people think I'm having a hard time balancing. No, I'm having a hard time not throwing up. And so I'm going everywhere. I, I'm, I'm in the restroom. I'm like, okay, this is just not. And so sometimes we get, we get life motion sickness. We get what is going on. And I realized something. I was on this cruise, and it was a 10-day cruise. And the first three or four days, I kept wearing this patch. And I kept getting sick. And I couldn't function. And I, couldn't, I was having a hard time working. And my boss is just thinking, okay, it's just... You're greeny, you know, they're just, they're just new to everything. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I wonder if it's the patch. <laughs> and so day five, I look at these patches, and I was like, I'm going to try it without it, because this is ridiculous. Because I can, like, 
you know, I have fairly good balance. And so I took it off, and it took about 12, 12 to 18 hours for that stuff to kind of get out of my system. And then day six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I was fine. And I realized that I had created a, I, fear had allowed me to try to prepare for what my body, body was already equipped for. And see, you're already equipped for what you need, but fear will cause you to put stuff in your system that was really never made for your system to begin with, and it makes you sick. And not only do you get sick, but you can't function, you can't do the work that God has called you to do. And I think what the Holy Spirit wants to do that really can only be done in discipleship is to get that patch off you that tries to prepare you for something you're already equipped for. And so what the enemy did in the garden, he offered, he offered Adam the patch of good and evil. If you want to be like God, if you want to, if you want to be able to manage the storms in your life, you need to, you need to partake of this. Because right now you're not equipped. Right now you're not, you don't have what you need. But it's so crazy. It's like he walked with God in the cool of the day. He was fully equipped. He had he, just intimacy and in the presence of God. That's what we need. The storm, the storm doesn't need bigger ropes. It doesn't need more crewmen. It doesn't need Dramamine. It needs the presence of the person who's in the boat. That's all it needs. That's all you need. Amen? So if you guys are in your Bibles, which is an awesome thing to do, I want to just read just a couple verses, but the first verse I want to read is in, is in the book of Colossians. We're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. A lot of you guys already know this. It says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ, what's the next word? Rule in your hearts. For as members of one body are called to live in peace. And it says, always be thankful. I, I, I want to focus on allowing the peace of God rule in your hearts. And how many of you guys, peace can sometimes look like confidence, right? How many of you guys know what confidence, where confidence comes from? It comes from Let's just say the word slow. Confidence. It is the word confiding. Confidence, you know how teenagers, you can tell if they have a lot of, there's this, not teenagers alone, but people can have a, a front that things are okay, but a, a lot of times that front is the relationships that they have around them or that they have with themselves. There's a confiding. Either they confide themselves or they confide in others. But things can go around, really awry around you. And what you do, what do you do when things start going wrong around you? You look for an opportunity to confide. You need help. That's what you need. You need, what do I do? Because right now there's peace that is being threatened in my life. I need help. So what do you do? You start looking around you for 
confidence. How? Through confiding. But there is something that's interesting. See, when, when a friend offers you a suggestion, when a friend offers you counsel, that is, that's one thing, okay? And the cool thing about that is there is a, um, um, there's a freedom in a relational confidence that's like this. Because when someone is going through something and I offer you advice as a friend, you don't have to take it. Like, you can just leave it. Like, well, I think you should do this. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And then someone, ah, oh, and so you start weighing all the options. But it's different when your, con your confidence comes from someone who is over you. So it feels like, you know, when, when the Bible talks about submission, we talk about coming under the protection of and the lordship of Jesus, that protection. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is that there's this thing where there, the idea that you, you come out and you kind of do this thing and people have to stay within this umbrella. Uh, to me, I just, I just don't think that's difficult. I think what we have to fight against is fight against the fear of that separation because where can we go from his presence? Where can I go? If, 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 I, make my, if I go to heaven, you're there. Dave said in Psalms, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Where are we going to go? What we do is we steward the awareness of his reality wherever we are because wherever we are, he's there. It's not like he has to catch up with us. God, where are you in my life? Well, you're, you just, you're listening to the wrong thing. That's, that's really all it is. And so here he says this, again, Colossians 3.15. Let, let the peace, just let it. Everyone say let. That means just let it go. Just relax. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. Let it rule. Because it will if you let it. The, the, the enemy is going to impugn a storm. But the peace that rules is an allowance. It, you let him. And he says, look, cast your cares on me. Just let it go. And in, in, a, in an awesome relationship of discipleship, where you have people that God has placed in your life, you know, as, as they are, as they're laying your hands on you, as they're touching you, they're releasing a deposit that God has put in their life. They're releasing something, and they're putting something on you because they themselves have submitted and they themselves have received. And Jesus says, as he says, he says, as freely you give, or freely as you have received, freely received, I want you to freely give. There's not a stipulation on whether or not they can give or not. It was given to them freely. And there's this freedom that comes through it. But it comes through this allowance of not trying, but allowing. Amen? Here we go. You guys okay this morning? Just got a couple more and then we're going to close. I know my teachers are going to be like, why did you close so early? I'm sure you guys don't have an issue with that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, how many of you guys have ever had someone in your life who is a place of authority that was a manager 
and then you guys have that picture of that person. And then how many of you guys have had a person in your life who their role was a manager, but they were actually more like a father? And you're like, I've never had that. <laughs> Some people have had one and they've not had the other. And so an awesome thing that we really want to introduce to people, unless you've already been there, is, is since there is this lack of fathering that comes in the body, the cool thing about fathers, every father has first been a son, but not every son is yet a father. That there is a transition that comes through the development and stage and being trained in the heart and a developed son and developed and developed and developed and you're being stewarded and you're being discipled and from that there's an overwhelming overwhelming that takes place in the overflow of love that comes in from deposits of the Father create an environment for the reproduction of the family of God to happen. And God entrusts, see, God entrusts us with the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. And because he entrusts us with the Holy Spirit and he, and he, ha, and he walks with us and he talks with us, it's from that that there's an overflow there's an overflow that creates more of us. Do you know you, are, you have a harvest right now? Right now, everything in your life is a harvest. Everything in your life is a harvest. You have a kid. You have a job. You have relationships. You have problems. It's called fruit. It's called harvest. Well, I didn't plant that. Okay. Well, maybe you didn't plant that, but you're in charge of it. We allow what's in our garden to be there. And we also have authority to remove it, to subdue it, to clean it out, to get rid of the things that try to put a crutch in our life for us to Really, it really what it does is it removes our ability to, to be developed and grow. That's what it does. And so, one thing that um, when Paul is talking about allowing the ruling of God, the ruling of peace in your heart, I just, for me, the hardest thing for me has been to train myself to not react to every storm. To me, that is the most difficult thing. And that isn't something that I have mastered, but it is something that I am working on. And I think we, and all of us in different levels, like, this is so funny, but yesterday, uh, we went to, we have a season pass to Six Flags, and we're there, and, and Judah has recently developed this, I'm tired. He hasn't, been, he hasn't done that his whole life, and just recently, I'm tired. And then once he's tired, it's just like, Jesus, where you are you in this boat? You know, come on, calmness. And we're, we're trying to eat. And if, if he's tired and he wakes up, everything. And I think we all have that I'm tired in our life. That whenever that comes up, we're just like, and it's like, Judah, here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it all stems from this trigger. And the enemy loves to put that trigger in our life, and then he works it. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be your spouse. 
Um, it can be your kids. It could be that you are tired. Maybe you just really stink at getting up. I don't know. But there's just this nah in that one thing. And as long as long as you can have that thing in your life. See, like I, I think of the storm that we read so much of. And I, I wonder how much of Jesus was trying to heal heal the the fears in the disciples because think about it that's their livelihood and what happens when the storms come what happens when a storms come and starts to threaten your ability to catch fish then then you have nothing to take you can't manage your nets you can't catch anything you can't work you can't get, go back because if you if you don't go back and you don't have anything in your nets you have nothing to sell. And if you have nothing to sell, you have nothing to eat. And you have nothing to eat. See, it's a cycle of one thing. And so Jesus goes and says, I'm going to kill and defeat this, this one thing in your life. And I'm going to teach you with peace how one opportunity and moment of peace starts to be a domino effect with the other areas in your life. And just how fear can start in one thing and daisy chain into other things in your life and it spreads and it starts to have an authority and when it has an authority it creates an identity and when it has an identity you think fear is a part of who you are and because when you think it's a part of who you are you feel like it's a natural part of the process by which you have to do things and so in order for you to further yourself fear has to be a part of the equation why because it's who built you and so what jesus has to do is he has to go to the root of where fear is and he has to pull out the root and that's all it is it's not for some it's a tree but i for jesus he just has to pop it out all he does he jesus jesus was teaching the disciples he didn't teach him how to build stronger nets he didn't teach him how to build stronger boats. He didn't teach him how to manage the storm. He taught him how to speak to it because that's all it takes. Learn how to speak to your storm. Learn the potential of your storm. Learn the weakness of the storm. Once you learn the weakness of the storm, you're going to see how feeble and weak the roots of his influence go. And so discipleship creates an environment for the rooting out of the fears in our hearts and in those we're discipling. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do, the Holy Spirit is the biggest mocker of fear. The enemy hates when the Holy Spirit, when peace comes on the scene, because when peace comes on the scene, the, see, the peace of God doesn't react to fear. It puts peace on fear. What did Jesus say to the storm? Peace. See, he wasn't fighting the storm. He was putting peace on the storm. See, your, your kids don't need an equal reaction to their disobedience. They need peace on the storm. They need a covering. They need a blanket 
of peace that says, hey, be still. Peace. They don't, we don't have to fight, fight our environment. We speak over our environment. When you speak over your environment, what you're doing is, see, uh, how many of you guys remember that in, in the beginning it says, um, the word was with God, or not, not in John, but in Genesis, when it talked about God created the heavens and the earth, and the, and the earth was, out with, was without form and void. It actually means there, form and void actually means it was in chaos. But then God brought order to the chaos. So some of you are in the state of chaos. But some of you are learning what it means to say, let there be light. And then, see, Jesus was just doing what he did from the beginning. He was bringing order to the chaos, and he was robbing the enemy of the fear and the chaos that he was trying to use against what Jesus was developing in their hearts. So there is chaos that happens all around us. But what we are called to do is go into, amen, the darkness, right? We're called to go into the darkness, and we're called to cover. Everyone say cover the storm with peace. All right? That's what you are getting when you are submitted. You're getting the peace in the storm. And you know what? It, 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 doesn't, come, it doesn't come like, well, I, I, if I cover you, then who's covering me? It isn't like that. See, when you, are, when you have a, an environment of discipleship, there's a covering. You have someone to go to who says, there's peace, and we have to defuse the bomb of the storm. Okay? Oh, there's a timer. See, fear always puts a timer. But you need, you need to understand the eternal. When God doesn't respond when there's a timer in our life, it's okay. Because for him, see, when we elevate our reality to an eternal place, we don't need a timer. Because we have actually learned what it means to trust in his, amen, his sovereignty. Amen. That's good. I, I'm, I'm just kind of eating this as I'm talking. I'm like, good, good job. Dang, that's amazing. Wow. I just feel like he's up here saying, come on, let's do some more. You guys ever, you guys re read Philippians 4, 7? I love that. Let's do this. Let's do Philippians 4, 7. Turn there with me. Everyone say, then. We're going to read for seven first. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And then it says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Now wait, we got to know what happens for us to know the then. Amen? So let's go back. It says, verse 6, don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. See, what happens when you pray over something? This is something that I really, I really learned a lot from um, in Benny Johnson's book on or in, 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 in intercession, is that when you go into prayer and you come out with the amount of hope that you went in with, if you went in with a, hope, a level of hopelessness, and fear, and you pray, and you pour out your heart, and you come out with the same level of hopelessness and fear you came in, you didn't, you either didn't pray <laughs> like Jesus prayed, <laughs> or you didn't go, you're not doing, you don't have the motive of the heart of God. When we go in, it's like things are happening, things are moving. I don't, prayer is empowerment. That's what it is. And, and I think uh, God is teaching us how to speak to those storms. It says, don't worry. Everyone say, don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> Amen. That's a good word, John. Instead, it says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Let's say that again. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Let's do that again. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all he has done, which means I can tell God what I need and not worry about it. Tell God what you need. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he has done. Let's say that again. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, everyone say then you will experience God's peace. Well, well, hold on. Which exceeds anything we can understand. Understanding, understanding, on the other side of understanding, let's just say there is, uh, this is split, and on one side there is understanding. Okay. On the other side is mystery. Okay. So many times we think, well, I, I need to be on this side of my problem because over here I have no clue what's going on. So there's this. Okay. So there's something that happens. When it says it passes understanding, it, it keeps going. See, the peace of God, it, it kind of says over here to mystery, it says we're going beyond your level of understanding. And then there's understanding. There's like, you know, okay, you know, I, now I get it. But then what happens when you keep going? When there's peace that's way over here and it's not even in the proximity of understanding. What does it take in your faith and in your walk to get over here? Because over here, look, over there where there's mystery and there's understanding, you can do that by yourself. But over here, you can only do this in discipleship because you can't get over here by yourself. You need people who can take you farther than what you can take yourself. You need to have 
people. God put people in your life. How many of you guys know parents? How many of your kids could live one day without you? You know, you guys ever had your kids say, I want to run away from home. Where are you going to go? Down the street. I said that one time. I was like, I have a tent. Borrow one of mom and dad's sleeping bags. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run away. And I remember telling my dad, I was really upset at him one time. And uh, he was like, why, why would you think, why are you going to run away? Because I'm mad. Why? Okay, where are you going to go? Well, and he's like, no, like, let's, let's talk about this. What's, what's the plan? Well, I have a BB gun for protection. I can ask for food. Um, but I have a tent. You know, David cast his tent. I can, you know. And I'm going to sleep, sleep down at the end of the, you know. It's an attempt of providing for ourselves outside of authority. It doesn't really work very well. It's, it's very Mowgli of us. It's very Jungle Book of us to think that we can just kind of make it without authority, without discipleship in our life. And there's a lot of people who, who have a lot of brothers and a lot of siblings in the body of Christ, but what God really wants us to do is, is to be trained in an environment. It really, you know why it is? It's launching. God wants to launch people, but you can't launch yourself among an environment where everyone's equal, where everyone is like, there, there has to be someone who can pull you and launch you and throw you farther than they've done. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why God puts fathers and mothers in the faith in our life so that they can take you and they can catapult you. Then they could take you and they can pull you. How many guys know that? You want your kids to go farther than you. It's like it's the most natural thing in the world to want your kids to go farther than you. And it's like it, it hurts you if you, if, if you feel that you've created a ceiling rather than a floor. And, and so what we have to do, one thing that he does with us is he, he trains us to launch us. Now, the cool thing about it is, is Jesus is not our ceiling. He's our floor. He's, he's, what, he's what we are born into. He's the firstborn among many. He wasn't the firstborn and the lastborn. He's the firstborn among many. Y'all are the among the many. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. You are the children of God. That is amazing. Amen? Let's do this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Can we, can we, um, can we just uh, try to explore an avenue of prayer that we haven't? Can we rethink what we think prayer is? Uh, um, one of the cool things that I felt in that moment on the lake was I realized later on in life 
I, I started, I, I, when I realized later on in life that oh, I, I just would go back to that moment, go back to that moment at the lake, oh, that was so sweet, that was so amazing. And I really felt the Holy Spirit said, okay, well, why don't you live there? Why don't you live in that, why don't you bring that moment, why, why does it have to be at that moment that that's where I met you? Why aren't you there all the time? Well, because that was, you know, and he was like, when? Where did you go? I'm always there. I'm always in that place with you. And so I had to, what I had to unlearn was that moment where I am separated from him only because I'm not in this meditational state. What, what does Paul say? He says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is not this just mainly, you know, okay, let's bow our knees and, okay, now on in three seconds, after I say, dear Jesus, then I'm praying. No, I am in what's called communion with the Holy Spirit, where there is not like, there isn't a disconnect and reconnect of the flow. It's I'm in constant, I'm in the cool of the day. I'm walking with my Father. And sometimes, I know Jesus would retreat to pray because I think all he's doing is just refocusing because fear and the environment around you has the ability to attempt to distract you. And he, he would get away because he just was getting, that was his resource. That was where he was just, ah, yes. And prayer needs to be a place of resource where we just are, yes, this is good. This is, thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I don't worry about anything. I tell you what I need, and I thank you for what you've done. Then the peace of God starts to train your heart. And one thing that we are going to do in your lives is we are after, we are after your fears. I'm after your fears. I'm after your worries. Like we are on the hunt. When my child comes to me crying, there's something in me that starts to build up and I've started to recognize it isn't the fact they're upset it's that fear has tried to influence my child's mind that is what I am angry at it's not the fact they have a problem it's the fact that the problem has started to take a place of influence in my child's life that is what I am after and disciplers are after the fears in your life and they say, we're going after this. Jesus was going after the fears in the disciples. And what the world needs to do, see, when they, when they experience that men and women of God are coming into their life to defuse the bombs, to refuse the place of the foothold of the enemy, what it does is evangelism looks a lot different. We're not trying to make people recite something right what we're doing is we're empowering we're empowering someone we're empowering something amen let's do this let's just stand to our feet this is isaiah 26 verse 1 says 
In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. And then it says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Father, we just thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith. And we just release this, this spirit that tries to remove uh, self-control from stewarding what you have given us. And God, we look at this as an opportunity to diffuse the fear in people's hearts but we thank you that you are the one that are teaching us how to diffuse, how to dismantle, how to disempower fear through peace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just right now, we just, we just come, um, we come in against any infirmary, uh, infirmity, a spirit of uh, sickness against people. We thank you, God, that you have begun to restore the leper, people who, are, people who feel like they are a disease to other people, people that have a, a mindset of a leper that they are unclean. Oh, I'm unclean. Stay away from me. Oh, if you get around me, bad things are going to happen. Lord, I just, I come against that and we say, you have called us clean. Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit said to Peter, do not call unclean what I have called clean. And I come against that spirit that is making a suggestive declaration of uncleanliness over people. And we say, get into the pigs and you can go swimming right now in the name of Jesus, that God has cleaned you. You are clean. In the name of Jesus. Wow. Amen. Amen. God has just got something good here. So we have a word here. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Just challenged us to not only just sing, but kind of whatever comes, comes to mind. Just, just do it. And, and this weekend I, I was practicing the songs and I was learning about the songs and learning about the words of the songs. And so I was praying and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, just sing through me, whatever you want to say, I'll, I'll, I'll sing it. And I, it, it kind of didn't happen. <laughs> I just had put my own words to it. But then I, as I was sitting here listening to the word, it came to me and it was confirmation because David's, you know, the word said to, um, Tell God what you need and be thankful for, for everything, everything that he has done. Even the little things, even if it seems silly. Um, of course, you can thank for your house and your health and your job. And, but the little bitty things, like last night, um, Liliana and I, she's starting to get into makeup and I'm trying to get back into makeup. I just kind of just fell off the map of just wearing makeup. But um uh, there's this one one brand that it was in my budget and we were looking for the certain shade that matched me and in that slot there there wasn't anything and I'm like oh man I guess I'll just wait you know 
and um, she was looking through all these shades and way in the back, and she found that one shade that matched mine, and she's like, the Lord knows your shade, and, and it was kind of silly, and I was like, well, thank you, Lord, you know, I just, I just, I just said thank you, and I find myself thanking him a lot for just the little things like that, and Sometimes we need that shift when we have a chaotic life. You know, you have your job is, is on you about, you know, deadlines and, and school and the kids' grades and, and your family, and you just get so distracted. And sometimes it's that little shift. Maybe you're just going to the grocery store and you're just like, oh, I don't want to walk all the way across the parking lot. And then you find that one parking spot right at the entrance. And you're just like, thank you, Lord. You know, it's just, it just, it's natural. For me, it's, it's natural. Just little things like that. Even when I'm cooking and I'm looking the certain spice that I need, and I have just this much, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to go to the store. Just started cooking, but then it tastes just right. You don't need any more, and you use it all, and you're like, oh, just enough. Thank you, God. Just the little bitty things, even it seems silly. During this chaotic life they always have. And, and sometimes we need that shift to focus on the cross instead of the storm. And when I think when we shift our minds and we tell ourselves or tell God, thank you for just little things, mm. it kind of has this refocus of what's important and not the storm around us. So just to little, give him thanks and praise even and people have different kinds of worship you know i i like to raise my hands and and dance and sing other people they do it in their privacy or their home and that's completely fine you have your own way of worshiping and even just to give him praise just to say thank you you know i think i think that'll kind of shift our minds to constantly be on him instead of what's around us and what's going wrong. So, and everything, give thanks, even if just the little bitty things that seem so silly, even if you find your shade, you know, makeup, or whatever it may be, just, just give thanks and everything. And I think you'll find yourself just constantly giving him thanks and praise. And then it'll open yourself up more to find yourself dancing up and down the aisles, you know, you never know. So just, I don't know who it's for, but just, just give thanks and every little bitty thing, even if it seems silly. So. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I just thank you for, for right now the spirit of thanksgiving. Come on. Jesus, we thank you. God, you're good. Lord, you have provided so much for us. Lord, this is not, we're not celebrating a day of thanksgiving this week. We're celebrating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. God, this is, Lord, we thank you for this amazing, amazing day, Lord. So many people, God, let us, let us be an example of lifestyle thanksgiving. Lifestyle thanksgiving, lifestyle provision, lifestyle blessing. And we just release that on these people. Just touch somebody next to you, say, I release blessing. I release a spirit of thanksgiving on you guys. And you guys are equipped. You are equipped to bring praise to the Lord this week. Amen. That was good. Thank you. In Jesus' name, you guys be blessed this morning. Amen.
Amen.